from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is John Small, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur and your host with the most. Hey, I've got a great episode for you today. Warren Bobrow is in the house, and Warren is a mixologist, a chef, and a writer who is often known as the Cocktail Whisperer. And for good reason. He spent many years of his life as a bartender and a chef across the world, He has written six books. One of my favorites is one called Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails, and Tonics, The Art of Spirited Drinks and Buzzworthy Libations. And now Warren has a new venture. It's called Klaus. And in his words, Klaus is the finest terpene-forward craft cannabis cocktail in the world. Now, those are bold words for sure. But Warren knows his cocktails, and he uses only the finest ingredients He has a really interesting entrepreneurial story. I had the pleasure of catching up with him at the Hall of Flowers trade show in Palm Springs. Here's our interview. Oh, man. Well, it is good to be back with you, Warren Bobro. Welcome. And you said it right. That's fantastic. Thank you. You know, everyone always mangles my last name, and I'm so I'm very accustomed to correcting the process, but you said it perfectly. So what well, do I, I, I wasting feel, time for? I feel, very, I feel very proud of this accomplishment. Let's set the scene here. We are in Palm Springs at the Hall of Flowers convention at a Holiday Inn, and you have brought along a friend, yes. a, a gnome, as it were. Well, or, he's not just a gnome. He's, uh, he? His name is Klaus. He's followed me all over the world. I worked in off-premise liquor for many years. In July of 2018, I took the decision to go down to Tales of the Cocktail, something I did every year for 10 years, and I stopped drinking. And I had to figure out what I was going to be when I grew up. And it pushed me into my first love, which was since I was 12 years old, I smoked cannabis and enjoyed it. And I'm in the medical program in New Jersey. But the framework is I was created to be a journalist and something else happened along the way. Well, let's let's stop there because that's very interesting. The fact that you stopped drinking is a big deal, not for you just personally, but also professionally, because here you are, you're a cocktail expert, a, a spirits exactly. expert. Sure. Why did you make this decision to stop drinking? And- oh, it was, pur- it was purely by health. I was working at the top end of the liquor industry for an international company as their brand ambassador and master mixologist. So it involved massive amounts of drinking on a daily basis. And basically, I was a day drinker. And my job was to get people drunk all over the world on the finest spirits that money could buy. It caught up with me. I put on 100 pounds that I've taken off already, and wow. I feel great, and I look great. You do I look great. look pretty good for an yeah. old guy. And I feel good. And, and and I know I speak like someone who's much younger because I don't have the that trouble of waking up in the morning with a big head. Yeah. Or one that's bigger than it is yeah. already. <laughs> Listen, I, I have woken up with, with a big head because unfortunately at cannabis events, even like this, sometimes it's hard to actually be able to smoke cannabis publicly. It's kind of amazing. I go to parties yeah. and all you're allowed yeah. to there's do is drink. There's a lot of drinking. Drink. There's, a lot, there's a big emphasis on drinking and not that I that I want to frown upon it, but I say that's not really is what we do. And what we're trying to achieve here is to have a plant that is a healing plant, not a plant that's used towards a detriment of just getting destroyed. Alcohol, from the moment that you drink it, is destroying you. It's Why does cannabis have to have an ingredients label on it and alcohol doesn't? Go figure. Ask the TTB that one. What are they hiding? How much sugar's in there? I mean, my product that I came out with is six-tenths of a gram of sugar. Our next nearest competitor 
is talking about 20 grams of sugar, 30 grams of sugar. This is terrible. Yeah. Well, let's take me back to the discovery of Klaus. Klaus, which is K-L-A-U-S. K-L-A-U-S. Drinkklaus.com. Klaus is a uh, 1850s German drinking gnome, and he's followed me all over the world when I uh, traveled as an international brand ambassador. Where did you find Klaus? What did you find? Uh, Klaus came to me in the early 1990s. A friend of mine was helping me with my uh, David Austin roses. And uh, they were completely overgrown from 20 years of being ignored. So I uh, had a chance to meet Klaus because she had the entire collection in her family from time immemorial. Wow. Do we know how They brought old? from Germany. 18, mid-1800s. Amazing. 19th century. What a, what a cool... Is this not just your regular garden gnome? This no, is a, this he's is pretty a... special. He's a, I believe he's a Griebel gnome because when I contacted the company, they're in the Dresden area and, you know, it was incinerated during World War II. So there wasn't a whole lot left. But I do know because I wrote them and they said he's in pretty good shape for his age. Sent another letter because this is in an email world there. And uh, they said that uh, he was from the mid 1800s. So interesting. All right. So the the spirit in his name you created, I, guess, I don't know if you call it a spirit when it's a well, cannabis. It's not a, it's not a spirit at all, but it is spirited because because what it is, is truly in, in the most base factor is it's a ready to drink drink. And, and what makes that so special is it's not seltzer. So I wanted to truly raise the bar. I'm a member of the bartending guild. My friends and mentors and people have, you know, helped me up from bar back on up, essentially. And I got a job as a bar back at 50, which, you know, if you're going to write about bartending and, and everything else, you better be in there doing it. So I uh, have always had a natural affinity for flavor. And I'm a trained chef, a saucier. I worked in France and New York City and Scottsdale and all sorts of places, Charleston, amongst others. And uh, I've always had a, an affinity for flavor. My parents were fortunate to take me with them on their trips to Europe and to Brazil and to Africa. And then in addition to that, my travel for work. And so it gave me flavors and put interesting things into my head. And then when I started experimenting with cannabis at like 16 years old, I made pot brownies like everyone else does. And uh, they were pretty good. And I transferred that information of creating a pot brownie into like a milkshake. So I pureed that pot brownie that had like an ungodly amount of THC in it, probably a thousand milligrams of THC, and mixed it with milk. And what happens when you mix it with milk, the THC bonds to that. And I remember the first time I had a cannabis cocktail, I had to have been like 16 or 17 years old. I know there was probably Jack Daniels in there and I crossfaded. And my whole jaw was absolutely numb. And I may not have actually done anything like that again for another 40 or 50 years. But the fact is, it put an indelible stain on my psyche. And it was something that a created a future. Yeah. A good stain, absolutely. But something that it was unavoidable. Right. So when you looked at, so you are very much an entrepreneur. You wouldn't have gone into, <laughs> to say the least, you've been, you've done a lot of different businesses. You've had a lot, at a lot of different things. Too. I, mean, <laughs> well, that's, you, I mean, you've been, a, like you said, you've been a journalist, you've been a, yeah. a, a, a everything from a bar back to a journalist, to, to a, a chef, to, a, chef, to right. a banker. I worked in private banking for oh, 20 wow. years. I was an executive assistant in a, in a, you know, white shoe firm. But so I think all that experience, you wouldn't just go at this blindly. You would, you would, it's one thing to be a cannabis enthusiast. It's another thing to go into the business of cannabis, which we all know is very, very difficult and very competitive. Where did you see, you sort of alluded to this earlier, but where did you see your opening? How, because there already obviously are cannabis beverages in the market. Yeah, but they suck. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I spoke to the Cannabis Drinks Expo and I told them, I said, last year, they still suck, but not as bad. The first year that I went, they t totally sucked. I mean, and I don't write about cannabis beverages. I made a conscious decision not to diss anyone in particular. I'm not going after anyone. 
I'm just telling you as a broad representation of what drinks are, they're living in the 1980s. I can't understand it. I mean, seltzers were totally 1980s. And so you look at the explosion of products like White Claw, but it's total garbage. I mean, and they're making billions of dollars, but but so what? I mean, it, why it's do you not think ma- If it doesn't taste well, good, but, why but people But Americans don't know any better because they drink too much sweet shit as it is. It's funny. I mean, because those things come and go. Like I, growing up in the, in the, I won't even date myself here. Remember Zima? And oh like yeah, of Bartle course. Four loco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four loco. It was crazy. It was like four thousand milligrams of caffeine, and then put alcohol in it. So I was on Vice, and I destroyed them on live TV. And because they wanted to taste a cannabis cocktail, they wanted to have one that they could feel. And that's the concept that we're that we're missing here. There's two words that we talk about in liquor: common sense. They're missing in cannabis too, because you have drinks that are one and a half ounces with 100 milligrams plus, and people are going to get absolutely destroyed on them. That's not my intent. I wanted to have a, a beverage, a libation, a craft libation that truly raises the bar and blurs the difference between physical, amazing drinks that you've had in a bar and ones that don't have any alcohol in them because most of them suck anyway, and make it something that's so memorable that you have to have another. I like that. So why, as somebody who's a complete layman and knows nothing about the beverage industry, explain to me, first of all, what you mean when they're all seltzer. What, what does that mean? Well, they're, they're based on sparkling water. And they, they're essentially clear liquids that say that they're cannabis infused on the outside, but they have no flavor of cannabis. There's no scent. There are no terpenes of cannabis. They could put anything they want on the label because truly there are no regulations on that one. I mean, it's like the rum industry that I came out of. You know, there are no rules in rum. Well, there's no rules in cannabis either. They can tell you anything they want. And, you know, aside from having the product test out, they can tell you a story and the story doesn't have to be true. It's like that in many different products in the United States. But that's not the point. The point is I wanted to create something that no one else had done before in a craft situation using actual bartending ingredients and not industrialized ingredients, which is absolutely essential to the success of this product because it's not like everyone else's. I'm not using those industrialized concentrates. We're not scaling it up to 25,000 cans. And the questions that you gave to me, do I have national aspirations? Sure I do, but I want to do it on a craft basis using these high quality ingredients like the Pickett's Extra Hot and Spicy Ginger Syrup from Denver, Colorado. I have a lifelong relationship and friendship with uh, with the owners of the company. So that's why we wanted to use their product, a Great Britain style ginger beer syrup. Yeah. So first of all, tell me about the ingredients. Yeah, so they're all craft ingredients. They're ingredients from relationships that I made working in the classical bartending community, mostly through Tales of the Cocktail. And these were companies that were introduced to me through the event I would attend and work as a as a bartender, you know, work as someone behind the stick. And so I made friends and I said, someday I'm going to work with you. And they came true. Uh, the lime puree, there's only three ingredients in my drink. So it's the Pickett's Ginger. The lime puree from Le Vergerboiron in France, they use these little tiny Caribbean limes, which are super oily and juicy and tangy. And then I'm using rice vinegar. And that's it. Well, and it has to be filled out with water, of course. And because there's also it's, cannabis. Because, and, well, the cannabis is the most important element here. And I know we've, we haven't discussed that, but I'm working with the people over at Vertoza. And they help me find my dreams. Oh, that's great. Because they I dream. Ben because there. Ben and, and, and everyone, they dream in color. And how I mean to extrapolate upon dreaming and color is they allowed me to work with cannabis as something more than just a metaphor. And what I mean by that is they unleashed the flavor and the scent of the strain that we use in the drink called Hippie Crasher. And how that works is they have 
isolated the terpenes from Hippie Crasher and taken them out and then given you the THC experience of Hippie Crasher. And then they add in the terps afterwards. So you take a couple sips out of the eight ounce can, stick your, your nose in the top and give it a sniff and it smells just like Hippie Crasher. It's really uncanny. That's it's really wild. interesting. It's wild. Now, did, did the process of getting that system down take a long time? Did you have oh, yeah. to keep sipping it and trying and making uh, well, sure? Well, that- we, we had to reformulate most, multiple times because we wanted to uh, use connected cannabis gelinade and we had formulated with gelinade and then they went uh, retail instead of wholesale and they wouldn't sell it to us. They could sell it to us as a uh, retail, but we wouldn't have been able to afford it. Well, you make money, but but yeah, not as much. Not the margins. Not the margin that you need. I mean, to be able to afford to stay in business. So so we reformulated again. So right now there is one drink. There's one there's formula. One skew. Yes. And do you have plans to have other skews? Very much so. But the first one is is so exciting because we named it after Mez Mesro, who was Louis Armstrong's uh, weed dealer during jazz era. And Mez and Mez was like a total, you know, history buff for cannabis in the world in jazz. And a well-rolled cannabis cigarette was called a Mezrol. So you wouldn't necessarily go out and, and ask for a joint or a reefer. You'd probably get arrested or at least detained at that time in, in American history. But if you asked for a Mezrol, that was the good stuff. Anyway, so we have... We have some aspirations on doing some other flavors. I want to do a 1934 zombie with a tip of my hat to Beach Bumberry. And we're going to put a bundle load of, uh, of THC in it and make it something really funky and fun and not sweet. None of my drinks are sweet. I don't do sweet drinks and oh, because I have never have and do these bar shows all over the world. And when I make like a bar menu, people come up, and they say, your drinks are delicious, but they're not sweet. And it's like, why should they be sweet? Yeah, I don't make sweet drinks. That's interesting. Does that alienate a certain facet of your... So what? You don't care. You just <laughs> so, want to so so make the drink that you would drink. I want to make a drink that works with the ingredients that are the freshest. I use for all fresh juices. I cut my own ice. I want to make sure the ice doesn't smell like garlic, you know, stuff like that. I used to write for Williams-Sonoma and, and on ice, you know, and it said, how do you make great ice? Well, you don't make it in your freezer because it's going to taste like that garlic pasta that's been lurking in there for a week. I always try to tell my wife that. We, we got to get a, a separate ice machine yeah, separate right. from the and fridge. You gotta, you gotta, you got to make the make circular or ice. make the make the ice that comes in cubes and then cut it you know big cubes and oh, then yeah. cut it down like a climb bell real, machine yeah, yeah that's the real deal yeah I'll teach you how to do yeah, it yeah I, I, I want to do that all right so now you have this product down the market and how long how long have you we released in the end of November, beginning of December, and we're taking a very metered approach as opposed to many of the highly uh, capitalized and overly capitalized brands that are beverage brands that are manufactured essentially in marketing offices on Madison Avenue. And they bear no resemblance to a well-made craft cocktail. And that's my specialty is making the best drink you've ever had. And if it's not the best, I want to make it the best. And that's what this is. So how do you get the word out there that this is the best craft cocktail you can, aside from doing well, wonderful I mean, podcasts just, like this. Well, I, you know, what's really important is to be authentic. And I do a lot of private events and I love doing it. I did one last night, which was super spectacular and had the best time for about 60 or 90 people. And they, everyone had things that, you know, made fresh, I made all fresh juices and we had beautiful ice and we just had a really great time. I had all different types of cocktail bitters that I sent out from New Jersey and Falernum. No one knows what Falernum is anymore, you know, and it's just fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm really creative, but I'm not like doing garbage pail cocktails. In other words, what a garbage pail cocktail is, is like 14 or 15 ingredients of disparate origin that don't really work. My drinks are very simple because I've worked behind the stick because I've worked behind the bar where 20 people will come up and they all have five drinks a piece. They're all different and they have to wait and they don't want to wait. 
and then they become very disappointed. That's why my beverage, why Klaus is so simple, because you can put it together in like two seconds. Does the industry make it hard for you, not just the industry, but the um, the government regulations, just the nature they of do. They're they do. totally onerous. Okay. And, How so? And, well, because of the requirements from a health standpoint, and I'm not afraid of that. But my favorite classes in culinary school was sanitation, you know, and that's that's really important stuff. But they just make it very, very difficult, and unfairly so. I mean, because it's the cannabis as a as a metaphor itself is completely stigmatized. I mean, I still am estranged from my family probably forever because of this, because they think cannabis leads to to smack. And I, and I understand that. And you come from, I I remember this from our other interviews we've done. You come from kind of an old money family, like an old Geritol, right? Yeah, Geritol. Yeah, my grandfather made Geritol. He made Aquavelva. And, you know, I didn't inherit any money. They they got rid of me, you know, emotionally and physically. The Brahmin type of family. But, uh, you know, but self-made, you know, they, they, but I'm lucky because I don't have the burden of their money. So I can do what I want. I have to do what I want because otherwise I'm going to be unhappy. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, it seems like you're really doing what you want here. Do you foresee a time when you'll be able to drink your drink in a bar? There'll be like a, a lounge type. Yeah, well, we have actually. I did a uh, an event in New York City a couple of months ago, and they have a liquor license, and we had Klaus there. I can't oh, wow. tell you what it was, but it did have a liquor license, and we did have Klaus. So that's allowed? Like a liquor license covers? Just about anything you want to do in New York City is allowed right now. And those of us who, and I you know, I hope that, there, that your listeners have never shared the experience that I had, but I was walking down the street smoking a joint during the uh, Bloomberg administration and it was BC Bud and I was arrested and you know and detained in uh, Rikers Island for 48 hours it was yeah. the scariest thing of my life it changed me forever and it caused me to write my book Cannabis Cocktails Mocktails and Tonics because I wanted to have a way of smoking cannabis without anyone knowing your business and that was the most important thing in the world it changed my life I mean I I was divorced I was bankrupted and I was disowned all within 45 days after uh, because of that uh, because event. of that event, yeah, and that's just because you were smoking a uh, smoking, smoking a joint. So inconceivable uh-huh. now in New York. In New York, yeah. it's inconceivable. Yep, here in Palm Springs, my God, you can't go four inches without without smelling, smelling it. it. Yeah, <laughs> well, in my town in Morristown, you don't smell cannabis anywhere. Yeah, you no, just don't. You just in don't. New Jersey, it's legal now, but it's quasi legal because you can have it, but you can't buy it. Well, some of the dispensaries are open, but the quality. You know, you come out here to California, and it's like. Man, pheno hunting. They don't know what that is. <laughs> so in that mainstream world of, of spirits, where do you hope that Klaus, like what, what's kind of a good avatar for you uh, as far as what you, uh, your aspire? To you know be? what I really want to do is, ra- is help the other beverages out in the market, not have me tell them that they suck. <laughs> <laughs> that would make me the happiest because I'm the happiest when others do well. I want competition. I want someone, I want some other famous bartenders and I wasn't so famous, but I have a big name for myself. I wanted to uh, see others join the career and drink less and take better care of their bodies and their minds. And it's amazing how more clearly I, I think now that I don't, you know, have the, you know, distilled beverages are just pure sugar bombs. I mean, and then you put sugar in it and then more sugar and it's like, Really gross. But anyway, you know, I'm not here to complain. What I'm here to tell you is drink better, simple prepares, simple drinks prepared with love with great ingredients. That's all I ask. And if you need help, just get in touch with me and I'll walk you through anything for my books. And, uh, you know, that's what makes my life easy because if I can help others do better, then I do even better. Well, tell us if somebody wants to get a hold of a can or a can or a bottle. They're cans. They're eight ounce cans. Uh, we're shelf stable, but 
you know, everyone seems to want to have them in the refrigerator. That's okay. But they can go to uh, Soulful up in Sebastopol and in also in Santa Rosa and soon to San Francisco. We will be at Tory Holistics in San Diego very soon. I have to go down there and open the stores with them and do demos and, you know, train their staff. Let's see where else. We're at the vault, of course, in in Palm Springs. I'm doing an event tonight from four to six, uh, like a free pour, and I get to talk about Klaus. Then the gnome will this be, is not be with for me. those listening. This is not actually yeah, tonight. It's this not is actually tonight. Ago. Yeah. Okay. So whenever you you put it up, but it was during you know May fifth, Cinco de Mayo here in 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 ebullient uh, Palm Springs. California. So right now it is only available in California. It, it's right. At this well, our business plan is to, is global domination. <laughs> you got to start. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. And I love it out here. Why do I have to go to a place like you know? My, like you mentioned, my, New York. Would well, be nice. yeah. I mean, New York would be nice, but it wouldn't be. T- but it probably wouldn't be THC. But we're also talking to places like Michigan, but it's freezing there. I mean, why would I want to go there? I love coming out here. It's so much Did it, enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Did the same rules apply as far as do you have to have a farm in the state where you're making the where you're selling the product? You know, the same. It, it has to go through the three, you know, the three tiered system. Right. Okay. So it's it's, it's all law. it's all controlled. You know, everyone's making their dime off of it. That's why we're contemplating the format, which is called DTC. And there's a company out there called Ginger, which Ginger is the one. And you know, Sam has been really incredible. And I, anyone who's interested in in asking questions about that, get in touch with me, and I'll, I'll walk Explain you through it. I'm Ginger. learning. Ginger is a uh, is a platform that allows allows us to go direct, what is called direct to consumer, and they can buy, I don't know, 24 cans a case, which eight ounce cans. And they out of state or only uh, in California? Only in California, because we are a regulated industry. I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's really important to understand. We're regulated by the state and it has to be 21 or older. Right. But the website to go is drinkklaus, right? Yes. Com to find out more. Yes, you can go to drinkklaus.com with D-R-I-N-K-K-L-A-U-S.com or our Instagram, which is at drinkklaus with two Ks, of course. And, uh, you know, I'm very easily gotten in touch with and I'm friendly. So I'll help you walk walk you through your stuff. Warren, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Amazing. Thank you. Great talk. Great talk. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, head on over to greenentrepreneur.com for the latest cannabis and CBD news, thoughtful essays, tips, and insider tricks on how to succeed in the cannabis business, all that good stuff. And hey, if you like this podcast, do me a huge solid and go to wherever you may listen to your podcast and please rate and review our podcast it does wonders for the algorithm helps others find the podcast would so appreciate a review and a rating thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week